Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We are finally back. I know it doesn't seem like much in the podcast world. There wasn't much of a split, but <laughs> it's been two months since we recorded together, which we usually do every other week. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Jacob's over there, I'm over here. And when I say over here, I mean literally. The reason why there's such a big gap is because I moved across the country. I am now in Indiana. He's still in California. And he'll never see me. We tried to record. We wanted to. We had talked about it before. But you had a COVID scare when I was there in town with you. Yes. But thankfully, everything came back negative. So it was better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, and it would have been rough. If we got COVID on the trip, it would have been so expensive just to be stuck in a hotel for two weeks. So you're right. I was just being a little bitch. Uh, complaint. It's okay. It's just I haven't seen you since 2018, so it's a bummer. But I, my plans are I is to fly out there like every other year or something like that and, and stay with my sister and see you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Next time. All right. So mm. this episode, we are continuing with the films of 1991. We're going to be discussing The Doors, Career Opportunities, Drop Dead Fred, and Thelma and Louise. Jacob, player's choice. What are we starting with? Well, let's let's go ahead and get rid uh get career opportunities out of the way. Um, again, Frank Wally, I'm like I, I I couldn't remember who he was. Like he seems so familiar. And then, you know, I looked at him and I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't he the kid from wasn't he from uh didn't he play uh oh the, the, all the movies for you to pull the little monsters <laughs> yeah he is he's the bad guy um <laughs> and you can't even really recognize him um i know him of course uh from another movie that we're gonna be doing for this podcast uh the doors where he plays robbie krieger but um he had a big cult hit called swimming with sharks which weirdly oh. he's the star but it was kevin spacey that really broke out from that and it's about uh, uh have you seen swimming with sharks familiar it's about an intern's first day at this movie studio as an assistant to a production head and he is a complete and total fucking monster Jesus. yeah and he plays complete like mind games with me. it's a dark comedy um also he is in the very i think it was the first sequence of pulp fiction he's the one who has the key to whatever it is they stole from marcellus wallace you know, he's the one that That's keeps it. Yeah, yeah. What? 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 Say what again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I oh, look God. like what? a bitch to you? <laughs> what? What? Marcellus Wallace looked like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to discuss Pulp Fiction, but um, yeah, that was him. This that is his. Him. This is his one shot at a studio film. Uh, John Hughes produced this. It it just it didn't make any money. I remember though, my age group was truly excited about this. The idea of being in a department store and just having fun, just doing whatever you want and, you know, like just horsing around, it, it's like a little playground for you, a little amusement park. And also the fact that Jennifer Connelly was pushed so hard in those trailers and, you know, as a 14-year-old boy, yep, that did the trick. <laughs> Easily. I mean, my God, I mean, she's still amazing. It's, yeah. I, I still love her work. You know what else he was also in, Frank Wally? He was also in... Uh, born on the fourth of july the freshman that's right he was oh the freshman right we just did that last year uh or earlier this year on the show uh the last thing i remember him being is i don't know if you've seen this movie it's called um vacancy with kate beckinsale and uh uh, luke wilson wow have you seen this one no, I don't think so. Yeah, you usually don't go in for those kind of horror movies. Their they, their car uh, blows a tire on the side of the road in, in the middle of nowhere. They walk to a hotel. 
um, that's completely vacant except for them and Frank Whaley, who's the owner or the manager or whatever, and they film snuff videos there. Guess who's going to be oh, wow. the next victim? Yeah, and it's it's very strange because Ethan Embry and Frank Whaley are the bad guys, which you don't expect. <laughs> mm. um, oh, funny funny enough, he was actually in a few episodes of Luke Cage. Oh, I, I didn't really finish Luke Cage. I think I watched the first season, but I moved on from that. But let's get to the movie. So career opportunities. Yeah. Both of us are ex-Target employees, and I usually call it the bullseye, but we're so far removed from that place we can talk about it now. Um, yes. That is not how a store is run at night at all. <laughs> Complete and utter bullshit. Unless there's some weird small town thing was. that I don't understand because um, they make a point that this is a town in the middle of nowhere, dead end. He's worked every single job there ever was and he's been fired from every single job except for like this one. And <laughs> and uh, so I worked at a Target in a small town uh, back in 95 just for uh, the brief spring period. And, uh, yes, I was let go because I was an insubordinate little ass. Um, it took me forever to deal with that. But one night I was putting away bikes with a guy and we're trying to put them on those hooks in the back room. You know, the one we had to climb the ladder and put them on the hooks. I don't know if they still do it that way. I think they put them on the floor now everywhere. Right. I think they lock them yeah. I think they like, uh, fasten them in. Right. That's it. Yeah. On the floor now they have that thing when you pull it down, put the bike in, it locks it in place. Well, they used to hang them from, uh, the ceiling just have pictures of the bikes and you would choose and have one come out. Um, and the guy that I was working with heard that they were getting ready to close, you know, close, close, like the employees, it's time to leave. And I was insistent on finishing putting away the bikes because I didn't want to get in trouble. So he left and I had to do them by myself. And I come down the ladder and I get my stuff and I walk out the building. Turns out no one's there. No one. Oh, that could, that could let me out except for the cleaning crew. And I'm telling you right now, a store that big, that target in career opportunities is big. No way does one guy do it. They they have a crew of like three or four people come in. You know, one does the machines, one does the bathrooms. You know, one just cleans the carpet. And so there's always a crew together. You're never by yourself. That's just ridiculous. And what is it? Um, damn it, he's always a bad guy in everything. I know his fucking name. Uh, Forsyth, William Forsyth. Um, he has a brief cameo in this where he tells them about he's locking him in or whatever and I'm going to come back, whatever, and you better not fuck around. You're never going to be left by yourself. No way. Especially on your first shift. Oh, God, yes. No, but it's a movie. Seriously. So we uh -huh. just let it go. And uh, uh, I love John Candy in this <laughs> when he realizes. <laughs> so that's the thing. is Frank Whaley is so good at manipulating and talking fast and conning and just slinging bullshit. And... <laughs> When he's, oh, right. when he's negotiating his pay, I'm sorry, I couldn't do it for anything less than 36. And <laughs> John Candy's just staring and goes, All right, you got it, or whatever. And then someone calls me, like, Well, who the hell am I looking at right now? Who am I talking to? <laughs> and then he's like, We'll pay you eight bucks an hour. Shut up and get out. Okay, thank you. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, again, um, yeah, no. Definitely bringing me back to the Target days. I'm like, oh my god, that layout hasn't really changed too much. No, not really. Except for electronics. <laughs> that one, that one's changed a lot because, uh, you know, ditching physical media. Yeah, of course. Everybody's going switching to digital. I mean, they still have a section of like all the new releases. Yeah, and they have it mixed in with the with the books and everything. Yeah, and he grazes. He tells them, don't graze. Um, and then he's just like taking chunks out. Like he's leaving all the evidence behind, you stupid moron. <laughs> if you're going to do it, real. do it right. Throw yeah, in the bailer. And then he... <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, I remember having to operate that thing a couple times. Well, I, yeah, I do that all the time at my last job where I had to clean those out. And I have this nightmare of being tossed in there or someone shutting me in there, whatever, and turning it on. So no one's ever used a baler in a horror movie. That's really good material right there. Oh. I know. It's like, seriously, the potential's right there. It's staring at you in the face. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I, I think what I like most about this movie are the non-criminal story. Well, I like him and Jennifer Connelly just shooting the shit and having fun in the store. And I like, like, his dad is being really nervous and then her dad is really being nervous. They meet each other in the middle of the night <laughs> eating at that little diner. What I don't like are the two idiot twins, Dermot Mulrooney and his brother, I think, Kieran Mulrooney play the, the criminals. Yeah, the Mulrooneys. Yeah, I, I didn't really go for that part of the story. What did you think? Yeah, no, I'm like, oh, yeah, they seemed a little too oddball. Almost, They might as well have been the three students. But, but it also point. felt like there was a need to throw in. And it was a kind of a curse in the early 90s. It always seemed like every comedy had to throw in some sort of violent criminal factor into it. Right, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like it didn't really... Yeah, I felt like it was somewhat forced, kind of like in European Vacation. Yeah, that and White Men Can't Jump. There's enough going on in White Men Can't Jump. You don't need that B story of them being on the run from mobsters they owe money to or whatever it was. I have, I can't remember. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, oh god. What? Is, what is it? What's the right word I'm thinking of? Uh, not debt collectors. I, I can't remember. But we're going to be watching it next uh, on the next season. So you know, uh, the spring of '92 is one of the greatest comedy eras ever. '91 uh, is a little bit weak on the comedies. Uh, I, I think this has a, like this seems like the kind of movie that everybody found on HBO or USA. You know, and that's how it gained its audience. It's not great, but it is entertaining. Yes, and overall, um, again. Like, you know, from the point of view that it was talking, like, you know, being young, you're already expected to, like, have, like, this particular um, plan in life, you know, and especially considering his parents, like, wanted him to, like, you know, not only be able to work and, like, you know, fend for himself, but, you know, as far as, like, pushing, shoving education down their throat, like, you yeah. know, going to college and shit like that. Like, well, come on. Yeah, we talked about that because, you know, I've, I'm, I moved back after 18, 19 years, and I'm seeing people now that are like, what are you going to do now? And, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Some of, some of us never really know. I got out of college. There's no guide. There's nothing that tells you what to do after you graduate. You just fucking go. And sometimes it's yeah. the wrong direction, but you're, you're, they're like, oh, well, do this, do this, do this. I'm like, that's great in theory. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's like, uh, you're going to pay me enough to be able to sustain myself? I yeah. Mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I got a two-year degree from a lame-ass college. I cannot remember. Did you graduate? Did you go to college? I think you went for a little bit, right? Uh, the uh, center was a junior college for a few years, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, the associate's degree is kind of like the GED of college degrees. People are like, ah, yeah, you graduated from college, but it doesn't really mean a fucking thing. <laughs> I know, like, what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> well, I had fun. I'll say this. I had fun. Yeah, no, of course. Of I mean, yeah. but it's like, well, shoot, it's like you're, no, I mean, uh, out of context, uh, that statement, what was the point? Basically, it's like when people are telling you to get this education and this and that, and then you get this degree, and then it's like, you know, they're still only going to give you, like, so much. I'm like, seriously? Like, yeah, now you yeah. want to go it, back it doesn't and do it matter. again? Yeah, it's, it, and I, I hate the fact that, back to Target, is I was a team lead, and they told me I could never promote if I didn't have a four-year degree, and I was like, well, what about all the experience I have? You're taking kids straight out of college with no experience, and you're putting them in the charge, and they panic, and they don't know what to do. I know what to do. And they're like, no, you still need a four-year degree. I was like, you got to pay for it? <laughs> Exactly, I, I know. School, though. I hate school. Exactly. 
Exactly. And it's like, and honestly, if you want me to, it's like, if you want to keep me, you're going to have to pay me. Yeah. Otherwise I walk. Um, so yeah. I think that's enough with career opportunities. What is our second film? Our second film would have to be another Frank Wally film that doors. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. This, this movie is so epic. I mean, I, I had forgot. I'd only ever seen it once, but I was too young to really understand the nuance and intricacies of what was happening. I did not know that Val Kilmer was singing. I didn't know. He sounds so much like Jim, but apparently in the behind the scenes is that he could only pull that off like once or twice before he would just like completely strip his throat and he would have to stop for, you know, shooting for a couple days. Oh yeah. No dude. Of course that's understandable considering like voice actors can go through that too easily. Yeah. And, And it's just a real tour de force. I'm trying to think, is this the last good Oliver Stone movie? Cause I feel like everything, well, there's JFK, but I haven't seen that. And, uh, Maybe that one. But after that, I feel like he f- kind of fell off. Yeah, there was JFK. There was... Um, I'm trying to think. Wasn't there another one? Oh, yeah, there was... Heaven uh, and Earth was kind of... Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to erase all of this because I realized that I haven't seen any of these movies in forever. But... Um, Snowden. Yeah, I forget. No, I really like Nixon. I forgot because Anthony Hopkins gives a crazy-ass performance in that. But um, this... In, in, Oliver Stone has always bounced between studios and independent companies. This is from Carol Cole, and Carol Cole was oh. known for kind of giving big deals to woo directors and big actors on, into their studio. And, you know, Oliver Stone really spent a lot trying to get this as accurate as possible, and he doesn't really cut any corners. This is epic in, in every mean, you know, every way, because it's two and a half hours. It really covers every single day from him to, you know, starting his career to the end. This is the end. The end, my yeah. friend. The end. Yeah, okay. I'm just wondering, though. Uh, I know I'll say, I think, if I remember correctly, I remember reading up on something, and one of the former bandmates of The Doors was listening to Val Kilmer, and he's like, oh, God, no, that was spot on. Like, yeah. You don't need to dub his voice. He really he really gives a very deep, you know, burned into your mind. Uh, in, in my head, whenever I see Jim Morrison, I go, oh, that's not right. Oh, wait, that, right, Val Kilmer's not Jim Morrison. <laughs> right yeah no again he does give it a hell of a performance i know i i am curious though like as far as the full-on accuracy of all these events i'm like holy shit yeah what was it not krieger because two of them worked with oliver stone and gave their approval and that was what was required is you just had to have the majority vote um right ray manzarek i think is the one who didn't want to be involved i can't remember now but yeah, one of them mm. said no, and the other two vetoed that idea, so they got to say. But they, they said that the uh, the condensing of stuff, especially in the beginning, wasn't accurate. But it's also a movie; you got to tell the story in in an a entertaining way. Um, you know, trying to get bogged down in every single accurate detail can really slow a story down. I've seen a lot of bad biopics that do that. Oh, I know that pretty much ruins the pace of the movie and like kind of derails it. Yeah, our our. The two, I guess, genres of, hey, this is based on a real story that usually work are music and boxing or, or some sort of fighting story. Do you feel that way? Yeah, no, Raging Bull could definitely be a great example. Yeah. Well, sports movies in general and music lend themselves to it. But um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so with this, we have uh, Meg Ryan, who is kind of thrown away. I, I her, her performance may be the weakest. Sadly, yeah, I felt like her talents were a little wasted. Yeah, uh, and, she, and her character is just tortured. Um, but you know, oh, Kathleen, God, yes. yeah, Fuck. Kathleen Quinlan is another one that was, uh, you know, her character is tortured by Jim. I think she was amazing. 
Um, I think she's a very underrated actress that people have forgotten about. Um, Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin, yeah. Um, Frank Whaley. Kevin Dillon. <laughs> yeah, people. Kevin Dillon. You know, who was back? Oh, of course, he worked with him on Platoon, so yeah. kind of makes sense. But yeah, it, again, yeah, just seeing like you know his obsession with death and all the supernatural stuff, like it, it really is fucking nuts. <laughs> I still remember the parody of this in Wayne's World too. <laughs> oh yeah, the weird. Oh yeah, the, the, having naked the weird naked guy. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think all around. There's not a whole lot to say about this because it's so heavy into actual details. But I, I do think it's a magnificent performance. And uh, my other uh, co-host who does the action movies for 1991, this is one of his favorite movies. He was obsessed with it growing up, and I can see why. Oh, absolutely, I know. And again, uh, I've always kind of grew up watching Val Kilmer from, um, oh gosh, Top Secret and uh, Willow. Yeah, Willow was the one. And we watched Top Gun a lot in our house, but I usually, well, we watched it uh, as in my parents watched it, but I usually just, you know, went away because I'm not a fan of Top Gun. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, there was Top Gun. And then there was also, oh gosh, Real, Real Genius. Genius. Of yeah. course, that was another one. Yeah, there's yes. a little bit of a gap here because after Willow didn't do that well, um, and he had done a couple of TV movies before that, but then he did like really small movies for a couple of years, and this was kind of his big showcase. But it wasn't until Tombstone where he everybody decided, now he's a star. He needs to be in big studio movies. So it's weird how long it took him to get there. Oh, yeah, no, I am surprised. Jesus, knowing that. Oh, yeah, Tim's dug in Tombstone, fucking Doc Holliday. One yeah. of the best interpretations ever. And um, I'm ready yeah. It's a shame that him and Randy Quaid had to like be and you know play the same characters uh, in two movies that oh Dennis much Quaid very identical yeah Dennis Quaid. yeah Dennis Quaid yeah and both give magnificent performances we're gonna cover those two in '93 and '94 because I actually think Wyatt Earp is a great movie it's just a different style of movie it's old school odor kind of western yes I know. and they and they released the same and they released at the same time yeah exactly. oh yeah like six months apart and tombstone got there first and it came out at christmas and a movie comes out at christmas it can really rake up the money and, and frankly it's it's more badass it's it's a tension getter oh yes no it just builds up with that yeah Whoa. also well, tombstone costs 25 million dollars apparently wider costs 60 and that's ridiculous <laughs> no, that's too much yeah all right so our third film will be oh gosh wanted to get this one out of the way uh Drop Dead Fred. Just Death watched Little it. Tone shift. Holy shit. Just watched it for the first time in ages. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was deeper than I remembered it being. Yes, absolutely. I feel like uh, as far as the deep part of this movie, like, you know, um, especially when it gets to, like, uh, to Phoebe Cates' mind where, like, the, her childhood is pretty much, like, strapped down to the bed. Like, she's been held back for too long, and that's why she's been so submissive. Yeah, emotional trauma. Just absolute emotional trauma, and in this really, I mean, they sold it as this wacky, like kind of a Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Beetlejuice kind of movie, and there is a lot of visual yeah. cool stuff going on. Um, but really, what it's about is emotional trauma, and how we deal with it as children and as an adult, and people who ignore it. And there, there's so many layers, like just buried under the wackiness. And I think this is actually a really important film. No, a Rick Mayall as dropped it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's wild. Yes, and I absolutely, I'm here for every fucking second, especially that part where he gets his head stuck in the fridge and his head's all like <laughs> wide. 
<laughs> oh god, the little nicknames he gives to her mom. Yeah. Oh god, the mega bitch. <laughs> My favorite is when he slides under and he goes, "Look, cobwebs." <laughs> he, I know. Seriously, there's how some, many there's some, they have to go through? Yeah, there's some risky wonder. stuff in this. There's a reason why it's PG-13, and uh, it's sold as a kids' movie, but you got to aim a little bit higher because, like I said, there's nuance in under all the wackiness that older kids are gonna get. And oh yeah. Uh, sadly, this did nothing for anybody in this movie. The director, at DeJong, who I think has a very great visual eye, who could handle special effects. Rick Mayall, nothing really happened in his career. Phoebe Cates kind of wrapped it up after this. I think she did like one or two other movies. And, uh, you know, it was uh, one of the first productions from working title films who are big now. They did like, you know, Notting Hill and, and Four Bains at a Funeral. And I think they produced uh, Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that. And this is one of their first productions they did with American distribution with New Line Cinema. And it just, whatever reason, critics fucking hated it. It did okay, $14 million, huge on video, um, but was lost for a while. You could not find it on DVD. You couldn't get it on Blu-ray. And if you are interested in it, there's a small uh, company that I used to mock because they used to put out garbage. But they just put out an unbelievably exquisite edition of Drop Dead Fred on Blu-ray. And, I mean, it's now owned by Universal, so that means they're tapping into a much bigger, bigger catalog. And this is run by just, like, four or five guys who just love movies. They're not some massive corporation. So they put a lot of love and care into their... I, I can't stop hyping them up, and I feel bad for joking about them for so long. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, hey, um... Let me ask you this oh. real quick. I forgot about the Doors. There's, I want to double back a little bit. What's your favorite Doors song? Oh, gosh. Um, that is a bit of a... Uh, break on through. Yeah. The side. Truly great one. Uh, my favorite is an off-kilter song. Uh, I don't know the whole name of it, but it's uh, Take Me to the Next Whiskey Bar. Oh, oh no. Show I Me to the Next right. Whiskey Bar. Yes. I'll, yeah, no, I, I know. I heard that from uh, The World's End. But then realizing that the Doors were the ones who sang it, I'm like, oh, geez, well, knowing how much of an alcoholic Jim became, that makes sense. Right. Um, But, okay, now back to Drop Dead Fred. Let me ask you this. Is there any movie that's kind of, like, hard to find that you would love to see on a Blu-ray? Like, uh, you know, if you owned your own company, what's a movie that you would pick up and and distribute and give, like, the works? Oh, God, that, well, you know, Drop Dead Fred. Uh, As far as, like, all the, oh, yeah, I want Real Genius on Blu-ray. It, 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 sure. I think it's just coming out now, but I want special edition. You know, like Real Genius, they could get some good interviews and deleted scenes, but mine is Fright Night 2. I can't believe it's oh still my lost. Oh, God, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it definitely has its, honestly, I, I, it definitely has its charm, and yeah. it really does elevate what goes on as far as like the whole, you know, supernatural elements, you know, of vampirism, yeah, even more so in the second one. That company, um, Whatever reason, there's a like a dozen films they produce that have never made it beyond like either bare bones DVD or no, no DVD whatsoever. And I think, if I remember correctly, it's connected to uh, the Menendez brothers because their dad ran the smaller division of Caracol to bring it back to Caracol. Um, and the day that he greenlit Fright Night Three, <laughs> he went home and got killed by his children. And I think somehow it's part of their legacy. Like the Menendez brothers can't make any money off of it, but 
they own the rights or something like that. It's weird. So there's like a dozen movies out there that are lost, and I, it drives me nuts that Fright Night 2 isn't available. Damn. Yeah. No. Gosh. Knowing the backstory behind that. Oh, God. Yeah. I drink. Crazy. Oh, I knew it's Slink. Um, but, but, oh, God. There's one thing I want to mention about Death Drop Dead Tim Matheson, when he's like talking to uh, that girl he's having an affair with, yeah. uh, over the phone. I'm going to stand up there. No. I'm like, oh. God. He's such a good sleaze, isn't he? Yes, he is. Oh, my God. Again, seriously, I know. It's like you really want to punch him in the face, especially when he's just talking over Phoebe Cates at the beginning when they're discussing their divorce. And he's trying to, you know, project onto her that she wanted it to happen. Yeah, yeah. Tim Matheson uh, was, for like, for years was pushed as a lead after Animal House. And for some reason, it just didn't work. And it was when he kind of turned into either, like, a father figure or or uh, a, a sleaze, yeah, like Fletch. You know, he's great in that. He's great in this. Yeah, he has a very pivotal role in She's All That as Freddie Prince Jr.'s dad. And he's very pushy. He's just one of these guys that constantly pops in. Out. He's Van Wilder's dad. Um, yeah, makes sense. You know, considering like his owner, his part ownership of National Lampoon. Yeah, he uh, in, yeah, in 1989 he bought the rights to uh, National Lampoon for a few years and then sold it off to a, a different guy. But he also produced a movie uh, based on Zatoichi. Do you know the blind swordsman Zatoichi? Yeah. Oh, is that the one with Rutger? Uh, not the one with Rutger Hauer, is it? It is the one with Rutger Hauer. He bought the oh. American rights to Zatoichi, and he produced Blind Fury, and I believe it's the only movie that he's ever produced. Wow. Yeah, wild. Um yeah, I think this is a really good movie. Very entertaining. Marsha Mason is uh, simultaneously, at least for me, since I'm 45, hot and annoying. <laughs> oh, God, no. I mean, seriously, considering, like, how she was, uh, oh, my God. It's like, she plays that part so well. It's like, if you meet her in life, I'm like, oh, gosh, yeah. you just give me a death stare. I, but you could tell, though, there was that one scene when they're having coffee in the kitchen, um, and... You know, Rick Mayall just like kind of gets away from her. He's like, "Oh, she killed me with the death breath." She, you can tell she looks at him, but <laughs> as soon as like the camera focuses off her, do you think she was probably trying to keep it together, like not laugh her ass uh, off? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know who's having a blast in this is Carrie Fisher. Holy shit! Is this oh, her yeah. last oh. performance? Uh, one of them. You yeah, know where I'm she was not... one of the main cast, but it was not a cameo. Don't. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah, because she's barely in the last two Star Wars movies, right? I can't remember. Last Jedi, she's in a, quite a bit of it, actually. But, you know, she was on that streak for Rise a few of, years. Yes, Rise of Skywalker, of course, was they had to recycle footage. Yeah, and so the, but, you know, and then she started becoming a writer and started cleaning up scripts and stuff like that. So it seemed like after Drop Dead Fred and Soap Dish are kind of like the end of her run. Yes. I would see it so, especially considering she was rehabilitating and just dealing with her like uh mental health as well right and ron eldard is so adorable as a potential boyfriend i i've never seen him so young and he's just like oh he's so adorable and likable <laughs> oh my god but like oh that that scene where her the freaking houseboat scene like oh no <laughs> but then she got all that money she's like i didn't know historical how riverboats were worth this much thank you <laughs> She was pretty much thanking Fred. Yeah, that's what this talking about. Like, you know, I, I think um, confronting, you know, emotional trauma, and then of course Fred being this, uh, you know, big savior. Yeah, 
And I uh, I love the little girl, the younger version of her, when they're having their conversation. They're, it's so natural, especially when they're doing, like, the mud pie. Um, oh, yeah. I was like, that kid is good. Uh, the crying scene, not so much. But the improv, the playing around is great. That opening scene, though, like, well, after her mom's explanation of fairy tales and, like, you know, an obedient princess, and she's like, what a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest delivery of that line from a kid ever. You know what Drop Dead Fred has that a lot of the movies around this era have I kind of miss is the animated opening that kind of gives you intro to that world. Yeah, no, of course, yes. This is completely a kid, you know, this is a kid's view kind of world. And like all the drawings and just like the misspellings and all that, it was purpose, purposeful. Yeah. The uh, oh. the fourth and final film is Thelma and Louise, a very groundbreaking, necessary. You know, it's trying to show you, you know, women can be leads, and there had been a little bit before that, like the Terminator and Aliens, and uh, but those are really the only ones I can think of that were successful. And we started getting a little bit more like with the Accused. Um, I feel like I'm married to the mob, but Thelma and Louise really cements that these two girls can be fucking badasses, and they don't need no man. Uh, and I don't mean that. Oh woke. no! If you, by the way, if you ever say woke to me in a negative way or SJW, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you're a fucking no, idiot. yeah, idiot. Especially coming from their point of view, it's definitely patriarchal. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much what this was. It was like uh, anti-patriarchal, and you know strong and feminine yeah you know there's it's it's a lot of the subtext is about submission and the fact they refuse to in in either force a submission in the attempted rape and the previous rape that susan sarandon had dealt with and the fact that what michael madsen's more understanding but chris mcdonald is a fucking asshole and he treats uh her like she's a little girl like she's a child that needs to be taken care of and told what to do Right, exactly, and it's like you can't blame her for leaving him at all. No, no, and he, boy, he mastered the asshole thing. If it, and by the way, in oh, ni- God, yes. 90s movies, if it wasn't Tim Matheson, it was Chris McDonald. Exactly, I was about to say that. He's like that in almost every fucking movie. I told you, I met, I met Chris McDonald, right? Oh, no, shit, that's awesome. Uh, I want to say 2007 or 8 or something like that. I can't remember. No, We went to Lake Arrowhead Film Festival, and uh, oh. he was one of the guests of honors that was going to get, like, you know, the, the award and honor or whatever. And and yeah, I came into the bu- uh, the buffet room or banquet room, whatever they're having it, and yeah. I walk in. Chris McDonald's walking out. We're the only ones in there, and I go... Hi, and he just does the Shooter McGavin thing at me, and I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's, so that's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was fun. No, um, oh, no, dude, he, that's pretty humbling, though. Yeah, it's like people are gonna know him from that. This is kind of a comeback for Ridley Scott. Uh, I think the previous movies that he did before this are all fantastic, but none of them were successful. People forget. Between Alien and Thelma and Louise, most of these movies did not make money or broke even. Oh, yeah. Blade Runner, of course. Yeah, and Legend. Um, Yeah, sadly, which I think are still beautiful movies to watch. Someone to Watch Over Me, I think that broke even. Um, That Tom Berenger and Mimi Rogers. And then Black Rain broke even with Michael Douglas. All these great movies. In fact, Ridley Scott, I think, has only made movies that kind of bore me recently i'm sorry i could not finish last duel or house of gucci i just didn't care mm. i haven't watched house of gucci yet but last duel i'm like damn this is pretty fucking spot on 
and it can never, I can never be disappointed with Adam Driver. No, everybody Ever. loved everybody loved Last Duel. Maybe I just don't have the attention span for, or maybe I need to get off my fucking phone. But I didn't care right. for it. And but... of course, like it coming out after sometime around the pandemic, uh, it just goes to show like this isn't the kind of movie that people. Uh, well, I mean, the pandemic's still going on, but right. uh, around the time it did come out, like not everyone wanted to go to the movies to see this kind of movie. Right. Uh, and the world's changing now. The, the pandemic forced two things uh, for studios to rethink what they're putting out because it costs so much to distribute and promote that sometimes you either need to distribute yourself or you need to sell to another company. The world is changing. These medium budget kind of adult sophisticated movies really don't play. And, and it's sad because that means the budgets are going to get smaller and smaller and studios are going to take less risks. Um, so, yeah. But Thelma and Louise, I think, would be one of those movies where... Even today, it would play well in theaters, and oh god, yeah, it's it's just a really powerful performance. It really set um, Susan Sarandon was already kind of set as a lead, but Gina Davis struggled, I think, between The Fly and this. Um, what Earth Girls are easy? Uh, well, no, there's Accidental Taurus, which did well. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Transylvania Six Five Thousands in there somewhere. And then, of course, there was Beetlejuice. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. I forgot Beetlejuice was big too. So I'm going to shut up. Um, but this, <laughs> this, but this also got her action movies. Susan Sarandon didn't go in that direction. She's still stuck with dramas. But after this, you have you know, Long Kiss, Good Night, and Cutthroat Island. I feel like there's another one in there somewhere. Oh well, a League of Their Own is not an action movie, but it's tougher, I guess, if you want to say. They show her as an athlete. And she was really on a run here where she was just nailing it on the head with these great movies. Even if they weren't successful financially, they were good. I'll stand by Cutthroat yeah. Island. I'm sorry, I will. I don't know. It's been so long since I watched Cutthroat Island. Oh, yeah. We're going to watch it. <laughs> oh, for sure. You got it. You got it. Now, that was a Beetlejuice laugh, wasn't it? <laughs> nice fucking model. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Uh, also, Harvey Keitel, he may have been going after them. But I felt like he really was trying to give them another chance. Like, well, yeah, what really. Just been through? Yeah, a lot of sympathy. This is also a big comeback for Harvey Keitel, who had not done. I could not tell you what he did for a decade before this. And Ooh. after this, he started getting more studio work. You know, he did Reservoir Dogs. He did Point of No Return, Pulp Fiction. You know, people started getting his name out there. He was never really a studio guy, but they're more willing to add him in as in supporting roles while he did the independent stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Um, Again, he dearly uh, – oh, that one scene, though, that I also want to mention, Brad Pitt and, uh, you know, being interrogated. Harvey Keitel is the one really laying it down to him. Like, he's keeping him updated on uh, like what he just contributed to and who exactly they are. Yeah. This is the movie where he solidified the hand thing. You know what I'm talking about? Where he kind of, like, takes his hand, forks it forward. Do you know what I mean? Where oh, he's like, yeah. He just kind of – his whole open hand – as he's talking, I wish you could see me right now, but that's how he does it. And I think this is where it started. Yeah, I'd have to say that too. But again, yeah, he was just, a, he, his, his character was a little bit of a shit. I mean, he robbed, he took their He was money. a rotten little shit, yeah. And then this is another one where they tried to make him a star, but it took a little while. Oh, absolutely. But I love that scene where he just lays that into Christopher McDonald that he, that he got it off of Gina Davis. <laughs> 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 I mean, considering... Well, considering, like, Christopher McDonald's such an asshole, like, yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they're right. Southwest truck drivers. You guys are assholes. There's no fucking rules. You don't give a shit. We almost got hit so many times. It was very, very stressful. If you're a good one, great, but there's <laughs> a lot of fucking assholes. So I imagine I know, why dude. that guy was like, the real Southern guy, hey, baby, come on over here. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, that one honking at him trying to get their attention. Yeah. And then they, of course, they, they, you know, they give him attention only so they can rob him. <laughs> <laughs> I remember someone trying to argue because they couldn't deal with the fact that they killed themselves. How long would they have uh, served, really, though? Susan Sarandon, uh, maybe, because she shot the guy, but Gina Davis wouldn't, but whatever. Um, someone was trying to argue. It's like, well, they're going really fast. They could probably get to the other side. It's like, what? No. No, no, no they fucking could not. There's no way. <laughs> on that on that rugged-ass terrain, and yeah, no. Sorry. What are the chances that two out of the four movies that we just discussed would be parodied in Winth World 2? <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> of course, yeah, keeping a tradition with the first wave's world, it's like, you know, let's do the different ending. Let's do this ending. Oh, wait, let's do the mega happy ending. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to get to 92. We're talking in like a two-month period. We got White Man Can't Jump, My Cousin Vinnie Wayne's World. Um, I feel like there's another one in there, but it, 92 is really strong uh, for comics. Oh, absolutely. Mo Money. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I, you know what I do want to say when we're thinking about Thelma Louise? That the person that... Uh, uh, Susan Sarandon did shoot. There's only one thing I wish she did do. Should have just gone full Robocop and shot him in the dick. Yep, shoot him in the dick. <laughs> Go for the dirt. Have you, have you seen that? Are... Have you seen that shirt that says, "You remember that time Robocop shot that guy in the dick"? No. <laughs> it's a shirt you could buy. <laughs> I can't remember the website, but I'll look it up because they also have a shirt that I said that I saw that I want that says, "Fuck you, I am hilarious." <laughs> Well, metaphorically, that is the way to deal with the patriarchy. You gotta go for the dick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I loved how that one waitress, when Harvey Keitel's interviewing, like, yeah, no, if anything, he deserved it. He was a real sleaze and an asshole. Yeah. So, I really think yeah. they would have got some more leniency, really. But I, whatever, it's. I, I, mm. They're together in the afterlife at peace, I guess. It's fiction. Sadly, what am I talking yes, about? It kept, it kept piling on, and yeah. especially in some states. Yeah, no, some states will just have no fucking mercy. Yeah. Alright, so that is the end of this episode. Our next episode is going to be The Hard Way. What about Bob? City Slickers and probably Mobsters. I have to see it again. Did you watch it? Because I can't remember if it's good or not. Yes, I did, actually. And? I'm like, uh, I felt like a uh, very quick pace. So it's worth it's uh, worth more, discussing and watching. Even if it's bad. See, here's the thing is, I don't care if a movie's bad. I just want to be entertained. Yeah, exactly. Definitely give it another watch. Okay, we will do. It's the young guns of mobsters, basically. Um, so that is it. Check us out on Facebook and all the podcast hosts and Twitter under Hit Rewind Podcast. And Jacob, send us out. All right. Namaste and good luck, my friends. And party on, dudes. If I really redlined that fucker. Jeez. <laughs> 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 <laughs>